Hello, all my Utah friends and family. This is the Locked On Utes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms and currently recording live from the Luxor Hotel and Casino. Scotty Stevens here with me, roommates, bunk mates, travel mates, uh, made the trip down this morning to, oh my goodness, Britton Covey just returned a punt for a touchdown. That happened too. Yeah. Um, the We're watching the, for some reason, we're watching Utah play Oregon two weeks ago on the Pac-12 network and not Utah play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, which they did tonight. Uh, I'm bearing the lead. Utah is the Pac-12 champion for 2021. Your thoughts, Scotty? Um, I'm still in a little bit of shock. Uh, we were talking about that a minute ago that it's just it hasn't quite set <laughs> a in. A minute ago, the, you mean when we recorded when we the first recorded, podcast that didn't work? It didn't and work. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for pulling back the fourth wall on uh, on me and, and my inabilities to get the... Uh, I actually, I've had a rough week with recording podcasts, so um, we'll just get it out of the way. Yeah, we had like a 15-minute podcast and uh, only five minutes of it recorded, so... I actually meant like before when we were eating our in and out and talking <laughs> about how that hadn't hadn't you know quite set in yet but no dude it's yeah I, I i'm i'm still i'm like i'm like three 20 ounce diet cokes in or diet pepsis in and i'm i'm just i'm not sure how to feel right now it's crazy well i think the the obvious way to feel is happiness right like oh, this dude. was um this was an incredible effort on a lot of different fronts. The uh, football team, you know, the athletic department, the way that they've dealt with the Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan situations, how the teams responded and how they've played. The effort by Utah fans to get down to Vegas and absolutely paint the Allegiant Stadium red was, was tremendous. Um, if you were going to ballpark it, how many, how many Utah fans would you say were there? Because there was, there was like 60 70% of the stadium, to my eyes, it looked like. I don't know how it looked to you from being up up in the press box, but mm-hmm. you fans rolled rolled deep for this game. It was impressive to see. Uh, announced attendance tonight was fifty one thousand. I would probably say somewhere around uh, thirty five to forty thousand of that was Utah fans. It was very it was interesting because there were a lot of seats that were open, kind of in the middle, but. As you looked around in the upper bowls and corners and, and every every nook and cranny, that's where Utah fans clearly filled in. And uh, you know, it was driving down this morning, plenty of, of cars with flags and and you know at every stop that we made, it was people saying "Go Utes" and everything like that. Um, I we can talk about the game and the breakdown. I thought the game plan was phenomenal. Um, one thing that Utah did defensively that really I think has just absolutely stymied Oregon is the the variation of what they've done in terms of technique up front. So technique is what gap, you know, what defensive lineman is playing in what gap. And, and there were points during the game where Utah was playing <clears throat> almost an old school under front, which most people don't know that, but a 5-2, five, a five the Oklahoma 52 defense, which – Funnily enough, Morgan Scally used to run that defense when he was in high school. So uh, interesting that he went all the way that far back in the archives to, to kind of develop this plan. Um, but they did a couple different things. They ran a lot of wide three, wide nine looks, meaning that the defensive tackles were on the outside shade of the guards. Normally you go a one technique, three technique. Um, 
so they really were trying to angle things in and make it difficult for Oregon to get any kind of movement. It made it virtually impossible for Oregon to run the inverted veer. And Oregon really never found a way to pivot away from that. They tried to get sideline to sideline and had a little bit of success, but this is a team that normally averages about 215 yards rushing, held to 74. Um, That's good. Is it? I think so. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> um, and and that's why we went to In and Out to crush the uh, the dinner of champions, uh, holding our Pac-12 championship title um, in our hearts. We uh, didn't get to actually hold the trophy. That would have been pretty cool. That would have been dope. Yeah, uh, I would have been all for that. But um, at the same time, you know, <laughs> it's so fascinating to me being down on the field and it, I, you talk about these guys, you see them, you know them, and you feel like. Uh, when when you do this, when you work, when you tell their stories, you feel like you know them so well. And I would like, like, do I go hug you? You know, like, do I wave? Like, what do I do? And there's a few few people on the team that I, I do feel like I'm close enough to be friends with and whatnot. And, and it was fun to see um, the elation. But just what really struck me was just how many of the players just didn't know what to do. And we, you and I kind of joked about Aaron Amaama. He's a recruiting coordinator for Utah. Uh, I think he's one of the biggest impact dudes that they have up there. For sure. Um, he was a walk-on in the program, did some tremendous things, and, and I think he's had an even bigger impact as he's transitioned into that role with his relationships, with his knowledge, and the like. Um, he just there, he just was, look, like, stunned, you know? It's a good way to describe it. And I don't think it was, st- it was stunned because they didn't expect to win. They fully expected to win. Yep. And and you talked about that on the, the Lost podcast. Just this, like, the belief that this team has and, and the confidence they, they played with and, and the attitude and everything like that, that they've had for a few weeks now. It was almost like once the mission had been accomplished, they just didn't know what to do next. I think... I think that's shock, isn't it? I mean, you just you don't know exactly what to do, like whether whether it happens in a, you know, in a in a bad situation or or a situation like this that you've been working so hard towards and then it's finally accomplished. It's it's almost too much to to take in. It's like sensory overload almost, mm. you know. At least that's how I would feel, you know, if I ever I never found myself in that situation, but just looking at the players and the, co- I mean, not just players, coaches, like, like open crying and weeping and emotion just from from players and coaches alike, and it was, it was really really cool to to see that up close. It, it was, and it's again, it's 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 an interesting situation because this team is so unified together, and yet at the same time we're around them a lot, but we're still outsiders. And we end up finding out a lot and hearing a lot of different things, but it still doesn't make you uh, inside that program every day putting in the work. Um, Coach Winningham was was very emotional and effusive um, in his post-game remarks after the, the trophy presentation. Somebody pointed out how uh, ridiculous it was that George Klyavkov warned Kyle Whittingham that the trophy was heavy. Uh, <laughs> and, and, like, that, that is... <laughs> whoever it was that said that shout out to you. I don't, I don't remember who it was. Um, just the scene down on the field was like a dream. 
You know, like I, I still don't, I, I don't know that it's sunk in. And, and I tried to just sit down there and soak it in in the emotion. But like when you said sensory overload, that's exactly what it felt like because this is a team that's worked so hard and, and done so much. And at one point in time when they were one and two, we thought it was all over. Yeah, it started out really, really differently. But even I was telling you, I think when we were in the car, maybe we were sitting here earlier, just just got back from the game. But we've talked a lot this weekend. We have. We've <laughs> talked a lot. Um, so I can't we really spent remember. We a lot of time together. <laughs> we've uh, we're two large men who are you know a car that's probably a little bit too small for us. But it's it's been phenomenal. Just soaking up Brian's knowledge and you know his passion and his love for for the game has been awesome but i think hold on no 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 i'm not allowed to compliment the host on the podcast too bad i just did um but (laughs) continuing on from that it's like um see now you made me lose my train of thought i don't even know where that was the whole point i don't even know where i was going but no it's we've talked a lot about this team this season and and just the struggles that they've been through and i think schematically Utah's done some interesting things, but I think the more fascinating part about it is that this is the team that finally broke through and and the reasoning for it and just the appearance of the characters in this story. And it's it was a Hollywood ending for a team that really had experienced some massive tragedy, especially in the season with Aaron passing. Um, but you saw a lot of heroes emerge that completely under the radar. I, Whittingham was effusive in his praise of Cameron rising and, and thick boy seven has endeared himself to Utah fans hearts. He didn't have a great game tonight, but it really didn't matter. No, I mean the, I mean, I'm sure you guys, you know, this week coming up and in in future weeks here, we'll break down, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the details and, and, you know, exactly what, what led to it. But I mean, they weren't going to be denied tonight. We were talking with with Steve Bart a little bit earlier tonight, like shortly after the game ended, and um, like 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 you said, this team's been through so much off the field that they weren't going to let this like this this was the release. This was like they they I think I it, it feels like they were in a position to be like we've already done so much else off the field we're going to take this like the, and it just, especially, you know, in the past, the, the, the first Oregon game and this one, it, it was a different animal. I mean, it was, it was something like I've never seen up close before. There's just the, the determination and the intensity and the energy, like you, the, the, there was no doubt. I mean, you and I talked a little bit before how we were feeling, you know, before the game started and like cautious optimism, I guess would be an appropriate way to, to, to describe it for me. But once, once that first series was over tonight, I'm like, they're not losing this game. Like they're just not going to, it was, it was, it was, it was a surreal feeling, man. I don't know how else to describe it. There was one point in the second quarter where Oregon kind of started to get some momentum. They'd cause a turnover, started to drive a little bit, and I started to get a little nervous. And then (laughs) it's just that, like I said, the Hollywood storyline where uh, Camden Lewis, and it it had to have been a Camden that would miss a kick. Uh, (laughs) Shout out to our own Camden Beck. Um, 
he misses another field goal. And it, it just uh, – if you're an Oregon player at that point in time, and, and there's a few of those guys on Oregon's team that really played and fought hard to the very end, you saw a very touching moment between the Sewell brothers where Noah was just heartbroken. Yeah. And Nephi was consoling him, which you know, it, it was weird seeing Papa Sewell down on the field because – on one hand, you're elated for the one son, right? The and one half of the jersey was really happy, and the <laughs> other half of the jersey was really sad. Uh, Take your it, pick. And I, I think everybody's seen the Sewell family jerseys, right? They're Where dope, they're man. Half. They're so cool. Yeah. And yeah. what a cool family. Like, just a super really cool special family. family. And, and I know that for Utah fans, the whole Noah and Panay thing not going to Utah can be a little bit difficult, but you got Nephi, so, you know, we'll, we'll count our blessings. And the other thing you got was a Pac 12 championship and a Rose Bowl berth. So, uh, you know, we joked earlier about the best team money can buy in Oregon and couldn't get the job done. Uh, that's a little tongue-in-cheek, but... That scale balanced out in my eyes. Pac-12 it, championship, Rose Bowl, birth, yeah. you know. And we can always talk about how this this is a year of just unbelievable things happening and just surreal situations. You know, this is the year where we literally proved uh, if... BYU beats Utah, but Utah wins a Pac-12 championship. Will that be okay? And I can promise you there's not a single Utah fan out there right now. And they were littered the streets in Vegas all day long, even afterwards. I uh, saw Utah fans at In-N-Out as we were getting our post-game, post-game celebratory meal. And for those who might be judging us getting In-N-Out in Vegas, for one, we were in the stadium late. Like, <laughs> poor we didn't Scott. leave till what, like? 11, 11 o'clock 11, 15, uh, something like that. when you're leaving is the same time as like the cleanup crew <laughs> no, the cleanup the, the the overnight cleaning crew was already getting there like we were yeah we were past that yeah and and so and some of that is just because you didn't want to miss anything you didn't want to leave anything i wanted to sit through the press conferences and and hear the words there and you want to soak up every moment and and it's funny because I didn't know how to think or feel when I was down on the field. Uh, you work with these people all the time. You see them on a regular basis, but it's always through the lens of something. Well, for you, it's literally through a lens, right? Right. And, you know, every now and then you'll get to send a, a picture or a print to a player and have a, a small interaction there, but they still don't really know you. And, and at the same time, you know so many in, intimate details about them. Uh, that being said, it was fascinating to talk to the people that I do have a relationship up there, and in they're just... It, the, when the mission ended, it was almost like, what do we do now? You know? And then it was kind of like, well, we still got one more left. Yep. And I think this team differentiated so much from the one in 2019 because this team learned how to handle adversity. And they had to fight and deal with adversity all the time. And I think a big reason that this team was so much better was Devin Lloyd and his leadership and the way that he spoke about belief and believing in what you're doing and, and believing that you can get it done. It just permeated through everybody. And, and I thought Mika Tafua echoed those comments. In fact, every player and coach on the team has basically echoed the same thing that this team believed in themselves and they played and, and, and worked accordingly. This team is a buzzsaw right now. And it was interesting because uh, Matt Fortuna tried to lead Devin and, and Cameron into an answer about, uh, would you want to see the playoff expanded? And 
Bless Cam Rising's heart. He went over and apologized to Fortuna after the press conference for not picking up. Did he up. really? He did. He did for not picking up the signals. He goes, oh, man. yeah, you're right, man. I would like to see an expanded playoff <laughs> in that kind of like Cam, Cam way. And it's just there were so many fun moments, you know, like Cam and, and Devin, even after they've been celebrating, they've been back in the locker room as they're walking to the press conference, like they're dapping and clapping, you know, high-fiving each other and giving each other dap and it's funny like they're so loud in the hallway outside of the press conference room that everybody turns around and looks and and cam kind of gives me this look of like <laughs> i was like don't worry like you're good you're good to let that out yeah but like it was such a, a a wonderful night for a program that's been through so much and i think there's so many things to talk about the uh support from the fans you know the the leadership of this team Britton covey Cam Rising, Devin Lloyd, even Mika Tafua, he had some incredible comments, and we'll try and play those back at some point. Um, because I think this is a night that we can really talk about and focus on for a long time. What happened tonight was transformative for this program because they hit a new level. And now every single player that comes in from here on out is going to have to play at that level because the guys who are new here, who are playing for the first time here, have, have developed it and set it as the norm. And it's the expectation. And, uh, you know, I think this season was incredible for the development of this team, this program overall. And to finish it, to cap it off with a Pac-12 championship in the most kind of unsuspecting of fashions is just, you know, surreal. It, this season has been surreal at times and, and for good reasons and for bad. And to, to be able to sit here in a hotel room in Vegas um, – belly full of in and out for better or worse and, it's always and, better what are you talking about and, and the dots pretzel bar that i just stop rubbing that in I'm sorry i should have short i i'm a terrible friend because i didn't share um it's okay it's just uh, it's, it's not wonderful. okay though sorry it's not okay <laughs> it's not it's not but we all make mistakes uh cam rising through two interceptions tonight so that's true if cam rising can overcome that i can overcome eating the entire bar to myself um did you have some favorite moments from the post-game celebration? Oh, man. I mean, I was so looking forward to just – I mean, because you you gone back and looked on, you know, countless TV broadcasts of that team getting up and and the famous shot of the, the coach hoisting the trophy in the air and his captains are, and the game MVPs are right there next to him and the, and the roses in the teeth. Like, that's what I was really looking that forward was to was I tried to get as many shots of – of players with with roses in their teeth you know like and just making that you know that that traditional pose because like there's you, you, iconic who, iconic very yeah. very good way to describe it because who knows when this is going to come around again i mean we we don't really know so it's like try to take advantage of that it was just i mean so many so many things you could describe i mean yeah that moment with with Nephi and Noah Sewell um, was really was really touching, um, and then you know seeing just some of the coaches just show so much emotion and just so touched by the moment. And you could tell it's just such a such a release of emotions. It's like they've been working so hard, and and to just I, it's kind of like the cherry on top of it all is just how much they've made Aaron and Ty part of it. Because 
you know, Ty's family was there. They got pictures with, you know, his, yeah, his aunt. I was, sorry about that. Um, but like holding the trophy and, and, you know, sharing that moment with, with his teammates and, you know, just, it was, it was just really, really, really special to, to see all of it. I, I'm an, I mean, I have so many pictures to go through and look now and just see, see exactly what, what there is, but I don't think I can wrap it all up into like just one or two moments. There was the whole thing was just, it's like you've been calling it a movie, you know, and that's kind of how it feels like it's this climactic scene of a movie that, that we've just experienced. And I'm still a little bit just in shock by it all. The one benefit aspect, lucky, whatever you want to call it, um, side to, to being in the media and, and working these games is that we get to be down in the field and we get to see those moments up close. And you feel like you're a part of it on one hand, but on the other, you, you're not, right? You're there as a lens. You're there as an interpreter. You're there as a witness. And it's our job to to tell people about it. And it you do feel a little bit like you're on a, on a movie because everybody else has put in the work. Everybody else has done their jobs to make this happen. And you're a part of it, but you're not. You know, we're not in the office all the time. We're not there with the team. We're not going through the same struggles as they are. But we know them. We see them. We we talk about them a ton. And you know, we take pictures of them. Uh, it was surreal to have phones out there and just you know Tyrone Young Smith doing snow angels and or uh, confetti angels. <laughs> confetti and, angels. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was funny because Whittingham's talking about. There's been a few guys that have been here since. 2018 and I was like coach like he's been there since like 27 or 2014 um but <laughs> that's uh, true man it's just one of my favorite parts about this team is just that everybody had an enjoyable part about it and he's gonna go out as a back 12 champion um Bradley and I was there it was great to see him that was cool yeah Kalen Clay in the stands that there was just so much support we talked about that just the the army of Utah fans that showed out and and you know just how it was never enough uh, go go Utes, right? Everywhere they went, Everywhere. go Utes, go Utes. Um, and people were so happy about it and, and just ready to celebrate, even though there was a potential that Utah could have lost this game. Um, but some of the moments that stood out to me, there was so much between Jim Harding and Bam Olesheny, Uh And I don't want to get too personal with stuff because I think – uh, for that group and for Coach Harding especially, uh, this was a very emotional moment because they had to overcome a lot. I think it's a group and, and a position group that's uh, really been take, through the fire, man. Mm-hmm, and taking a lot of criticism and a lot of heat, uh, uh, some of it unfairly. And uh, Jim Harding has built, without a doubt, the best offensive line in the Pac-12, in my opinion, uh, and possibly even one of the best offensive lines in college football. Uh, it, it doesn't <laughs> – nothing about this group, uh, when you look at them on paper, screams like, yeah, this is elite. You know, this is the best. But the way that they work – excuse me. It's light. Yeah. Um, the way that they work together, um, the way that guys have bought into roles. Braden Daniels tonight, holy cow. Played a great game. Took on Kayvon Thibodeau one-on-one multiple occasions. He had one play where he got beat, and it was just – it was one of those plays where 
KT had been setting him up outside over and over and over and over again and finally hit him with the... crossed him in. Yep. Crossed inside and hit him with the inside move. And even though he did hit him with the inside move, Braden was staying with him just for that little bit, just not long enough, and uh, ends up allowing the sack. But still, Kayvon Thibodeau walks away with one sack in two games against Utah. And Oregon tried to uh, counter Utah's tight ends and... All Utah did was just throw the ball, and and they threw a lot of shorter shorter to you know mid range routes, and and still got plenty of yards doing that, and and put up that first score really quick. And then what they've done with the inside zone and the downhill stuff with uh, Tavion, it's just I mean it's an automatic touchdown every time you get in the red zone, and I think a lot of that is Tavion and his skill set. A lot of it is the offensive line smells it, and and they like it. Um, it was. So fun to see family, you know, and, and Maddie Hansen, someone that we never talk about on this podcast, but what she and uh, Gianna Colosimo do for this program. And, Shout out to Manny, Maddie and Gianna, man. And and the entire social media team. Like there are so many people up there um, that do such a great job of, of giving us the access and Maddie seeing her family and just crying and, and, I, I feel bad talking about some of this stuff, but these people work so hard to, to present a football game, you know, but it means so much more to them. It means so much more to us. It means so much more to the community. And I think tonight was just a tremendous microcosm of why that is. Uh, this team is battled. We talk about family a lot and, and Utah really has through everything created a family out of this and, and fans who, you know, have met each other and become friends. I, I think you and I have become friends through it, really because of Utah football, um, and and our our own little tiny youth zone family that's come about because of it. Um, that's what this is all about, right? Is these relationships, and I think you saw that on display, seeing the family members come down, and and there was one moment that really got to me. Um, Coach Witt walks in, and he's got a little Rose Bowl pin on his on his sweatshirt um and he walks in with his grandson to the press conference sits him down and and his grandson might be the cutest kid on the planet i don't know and then right behind him is his wife jamie and jamie's carrying the rose bowl bouquet mm-hmm. and and wow i i tweeted out like good luck you know on your christmas presents now everybody because <laughs> kyle just talked us all but he is always quick to to you know when people talk about his accomplishments to deflect and, and she is one of those people that he deflects to immediately. Um, and I think that's another part about tonight that was just so special is that, you know, everybody got to share it with a family member in one way or another. And, um, you know, this is a program that preaches family. It's a program that's built on family. Uh, they believe in family, they act accordingly. And to see that family have this kind of success is just incredible. Yeah. I think, you you alluded to something earlier about you know how you know we we do our best to bring really good coverage and to you know dig into the you know an analysis and break down plays and schemes and different things like that but we're still we're still behind the curtain you know in a sense and tonight it was so much so much of a, a release of emotion and an accomplishment that that curtain opened up a little bit and we're able to get a a deeper feel for how much this has meant 
to this team, you know, and everybody who works so hard. It's like you mentioned with Maddie, just this isn't just this isn't just a job. Like these people the, the family thing is no joke. Like it is you can feel it. It's a it's it's a family thing. And it was really, really cool to be to be a part of that tonight. Even in just a little even just getting to see it like up close was was really, really touching. Uh it's a night that I will treasure and I'm I'm extremely grateful that people actually care enough to listen to this podcast that we could bring you uh you know the insight and everything like that that we got I wrote a little piece on Ute Zone if you want to go check it out if you don't no big deal um no you should go check it out because your <laughs> your writing is phenomenal um it's a lot better than this podcast is right now because because we, we are a little bit tired but at the same time um you know, it's it, this is going to be something that I think for a long time the, the the dynamic of this season is just so unique and rare. Like you just don't see things like this, and we talk about it being a storybook ending or a Hollywood ending or just how this season has been written is is really just so unique and special, and it touched so many lives on so many different levels. And I think it really unified a lot of people across the fan base and changed you know this this program this community. Um, especially for the better. And the best part about it is that you still have one more game to go. Uh, it's the granddaddy of them all. That you sounds so crazy to say it, man. It, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just yeah, hearing hearing you say that, the granddaddy of them all, because you grow up, if you're a football fan growing up, like New Year's Day, that's what, that's what it's all about, is like the granddaddy of them all. Like it's just a phrase that, echoes in in football lore and history you know and to be to to have you know this team be able to to write another chapter of that is just kind of just i'm kind of awestruck by it it's going to be a while and things are slowly starting to sink in now and i'm sure that utah fans are feeling the same way and and liking and retweeting everything and trying to uh, gobble up as much content as possible so I just wanted to get something out there a little bit right now and, and talk about it a little bit and share our thoughts and uh, try and give as much insight to what was what it was like down on the field, seeing that happen and, and hearing the postgame comments as well and just hearing this team talk about belief and how they practice it and seeing Kyle Whittingham, you know, joke about Ted Lasso. It was just like for me personally, that was just... I didn't think I could like him anymore. I... I <laughs> The fact that Whittingham's watched Ted Lasso and, and called Kyle Bonagura, of all people, uh, Trent Krim from The Independent, <laughs> who Kyle, Kyle Bonagura does a tremendous job, and, and um, he does have long hair like Trent Krim, but you know I think that's about where the comparisons end. It just was like the perfect capper of it all for me, and that and as Witt's walking out, he says the same thing. Okay, thank you. You know, and, and, and you hear this little voice. Okay, thank you. And it says his grandson mimicking him. And it just, like, if that's not the perfect example or, or the perfect metaphor for this team, this story, and, and what it's all been about this season, uh, you know, I don't, please hit me up with, with a different one. Um, but we'll keep talking about this. We'll, we'll break it down from all the angles. I'm going to have a lot more schematic analysis. Uh, what Morgan Scally did tonight from a coordinating perspective and, and Andy Ludwig as well, who I've been critical of Andy Ludwig and how he ran things. And 
not not that my criticism was wrong, um, but he stuck with it and it paid massive dividends for this team tonight. Scotty, uh, closing thoughts as as you're sitting here and we've talked for quite a while now already. Yeah, we originally said this was going to be like 15 minutes, but once, once we got talking, it was there was no chance. Never happens. Yeah, and I we, probably said the, the same thing about 15 different times. Well, but. I think we both have, but it's all right. <laughs> it's what a night, man. Um, I guess my overarching thoughts. I mean, the the main thing that I took away and that I you know I can't talk about Devin Lloyd enough. I mean, mm. players like him don't come along very often probably generational I mean he's he's such a special talent and he like probably I was mentioning to Brian while we were sitting here before we recorded um they were interviewing him on the Pac-12 network and and Mike Bellotti you know was was praising him for his athletic abilities but more than anything called him like just an even better person and you're a great athlete you're a great football player but you're an even better person right those were pretty much verbatim what he, what he said, um, and then and then to have Devin like on every radio interview I heard, every TV spot I heard from him, it was we're not done yet, hmm. we still have we still have another one to get, and and that's what I'm most excited about now is holy holy crap, like they're going to Pasadena to play in the Rose Bowl, man, like it's it's just. It's, it's just unreal. I people were, I thought people were just trying to be nice because Steve and I picked him to go ten and two. Cam Beck picked him to go nine and three, and uh, when they went one and two, I was like, "Well, it's been a fun season, y'all." And people were saying they can still make the Rose Bowl, they can still go nine and three, and I was I was super doubtful. Um, I'm happy to eat the crow on this one, but uh, you know, I think you made a good point about Devin Lloyd, the gravitas with which he walks around in, in in this program is he's like a, he's like a planet or a solar system with the way that he carries the gravity of, of what he's doing and the way that he attracts people to his methods and his ways cole bishop is a great example right he, cole has talked about this on multiple occasions that the best part about being in there watching more film and everything like that is that every time he's in there Devin Lloyd is too, and Devin can help him. And Devin spent the entire summer helping everybody. Uh, that's what he, he always does. And I think that's trickle-down effect because he saw Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman do that, and now he's done it better. And now it's going to pass on to Cole Bishop. And I almost feel like Cole Bishop needs to wear a zero next year just because it's clear that that's the role he's taking, right? He's going to be the next uh, Devin Lloyd-type player where he makes those big plays, he makes the impact ones. I almost felt like watching that interception uh, that he returned for a touchdown, like he willed it to happen. It was like he knew the play. He knew what the quarterback wanted to do. And the entire time, whether it was mentally or just, you know, manifesting, whatever the word is, that he just willed the entire situation to happen. And it was one of the most impressive plays to watch from up above. Um Devin Lloyd is incredible. Um, I th what a great observation by you, man. And Britton Covey, Cameron Rising as well. Uh, I thought Britton Covey was massively impactful in this game, despite not you know putting up massive numbers. There's there's just so much leadership. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've talked a lot about Cam Rising. He's just he's got a different aura around him. Devin the same. Britton Covey 
Mika. I mean, all very different leadership styles very, as well. Very different leadership styles, but they've coalesced into something that's like just special. It just doesn't come along very often. The number of national media people saying nobody wants to play Utah in the college playoff right now, and they're all right. Uh, you know, I like. I thought Spencer Hall phrased it perfectly. I don't think they're the best team in college football, but who wants to play Utah right now? No one. And he's right. They didn't even play their best game tonight. No, not by a long shot. Yeah, this the, the there were a lot of flaws, penalties, execution was uh, hit or miss. But I think the difference with this defense and uh, yeah. So we're going to wrap it up. I promise this will be it. Um, Malone Mattaele deserves some attention for what he's done since returning to this defense. Uh, he did it again tonight, the interception. Played a stellar game tonight. He did. Him and it, Clark Phillips both. Yes. Clark Phillips was great, and, and Clark Phillips has always been great. And those He had two pass break PBUs tonight that were just phenomenal, like just so good. And we'll hope that uh, Utah can get some health of that position as Zamaya Vaughn left the game. And uh, Kane Savage, who is a true, true freshman, had to step in. Um, but that's we'll, we'll worry about that when the time comes. Uh, what a great night to be a Utah fan. What a great night to be part of the media. What a great night to be able to to talk about and, and tell these stories. Uh, I don't even know how to wrap it up, so we're just going to close it off right now with, um, with saying thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you listen to this, kudos to you because it's a lot. Um, but we are going to continue to, with a little more organization, uh, break this down and, and, and continue to just relive the moment that was Utah solidifying their place in, in Pac-12 history as, as a champion of the conference in 2021. Um, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for December 3rd, going into December 4th, a.k.a. Pac-12 Championship Day in Utah history, and we will talk to you again next week.